0: Silence. Will you please pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill each space where we are seated right now. Lord, come and bring peace to our hearts. Soften our hearts to receive from you, from your word would fill us to overflowing. And Lord, speak through me now that my words would be your words and your truth would be spoken, heard, and received deep in our hearts here today, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I've found that people have varying opinions about Nicholas Cage and his acting acumen. Um, I think it's fair to say that people either love him or really don't. Um, But I also think it's fair to say that there is, uh, I think, a unanimous opinion that his movie National Treasure is awesome. Everybody loves that movie. Clearly it's a a popular one. TNT seems to be playing it every other week. And I don't want to spoil the film for those of you who haven't haven't seen it yet, Um, but here's just a quick synopsis of the plot uh, without many uh, any uh, major spoilers. So Nicolas Cage, he plays this uh, kind of historian, uh, archaeologist, treasure hunter uh, type character, kind of a knockoff of Indiana Jones and he's trying to steal the Declaration of Independence from the National Archives and you might be thinking, oh that's why this movie's called National Treasure. That's the, that's the, the National Treasure. It's the Declaration of Independence. But actually the, the Declaration of Independence is just the first in a series of various clues that lead to the real national treasure. And I won't tell you what that is, but, but I will say this. There's all kinds of, like, Masonic forefathers involved and, and founding fathers and, and, and stuff with, like, the Knights Templar and, and globe-trotting adventures and, and lots of action, all to get to America's national treasure. Now, that's a silly movie. But there is, I think, in a very real sense, a particular treasure that is associated uh, with any country. Different countries kind of have this thing that's their thing, right? So if it's Germany, it's great cars. If it's Italy, it's great cars. If it's England, it's great beer. Whatever it is. But every country has this great um, uh, sort of national identity and treasure that they embrace. And we can all debate about what the real national treasure of our country might be, but there's no question we have national treasure here. Those things of value that are ours to embrace, to to cherish, to treasure as Americans. And of course, though, there are likewise with any country in this fallen world, things that we would never treasure things that are shameful. It's important, no matter what our nationality, that one recognize both one's treasures and our shameful fool's gold. As many of you know, uh, my family is a pretty international group. Uh, We have three different nationalities represented amongst the five of us, even though, of course, we are all American citizens. And we always talk to our children about the wonderful treasures of Russia and China, as well as the treasures of their adopted nation, the United States. And we do have, though, to be honest with our children about um, things in Russia and in China that they left behind that aren't so much treasures at all, things that are good to leave behind. We also try to stay honest with our children about the U.S. and its problems, its blemishes. Our fool's gold. And really, our hope is that what we would all do, regardless of our nationality, is all understand that our various nationalities really aren't the ultimate they aren't of ultimate importance. There is another country where we can all have citizenship, and that country has a national treasure that is infinitely precious. And in that country, there is no fool's gold. St. Paul, he wrote letters to people from all kinds of different nationalities. He himself was kind of a mixed bag uh, himself. He, he, He clearly identified as a Jew of the nation of Israel, but he also identified as a Roman citizen. And then he's writing in our passage for today, he's writing to a church in a place called Philippi. And so he's writing to a group who are living in a Roman colony, but They're also a bunch of military guys from the Roman Empire, so they could have been people from all kinds of different nationalities in terms of where they were born, but then they've all come under this one empire, the Roman Empire. But they aren't exactly uh, enjoying all the treasures, at least not the audience of Paul's letter, the Christians. Those Christians in Philippi, they aren't enjoying the treasure of Rome. the the so-called Roman peace, that security that they called the Pax Romana. Now, as Christians, these uh, who are reading Paul's letter are enduring suffering and persecution. And so Paul is writing to them, and he is writing to remind them of that other country where they are citizens, their adopted country, the kingdom of God. And in our passage for today from Paul's letter to the Philippians, we find him describing the national treasure of that other country, uh, the kingdom, and all the the benefits that come from their citizenship in that better country. Uh, And I call it a better country. I love this verse that's in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 16. And this is what the hope is for the Philippians. It's what the hope is for each one of us. Uh, The writer of the Hebrews says in verse 16 of chapter 11, But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So if you want to, uh, if you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to open them uh, to Philippians chapter 3, and we're looking at verses 12 uh, to the end of the chapter. And so Paul begins this passage um, and and he's describing this this great national treasure uh, of the heavenly country. And he writes of obtaining that treasure, uh, what he calls a prize. And he speaks of pressing on to make it his own. Uh, Verse 14 he writes, uh, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And he defines what that actual prize is uh, a few verses uh, before, uh, what that upward call is in Christ Jesus. In verse 11 he says that that prize, that treasure is resurrection from the dead. It's eternal life in the kingdom. And with This vision of of the treasure, Paul reminds his uh, suffering readers who are living in the midst of this fallen uh, empire that with this treasure, there is true wealth there for them. Only what Paul also reveals is that this wealth comes through a very different kind of economy. In the kingdom of God, the better country, there is... An economy of grace rather than transaction. Just look at verse 12. Uh, Paul describes a very different order of things. He looks forward to obtaining the full measure of the treasure, Uh, not once he accomplishes uh, something but as a result of what Christ has already accomplished. He's looking forward to making this treasure his own, like holding it not by virtue of his own merits, but by virtue of Christ Jesus' adoption, right? He says, Christ has made, uh, has made me his own. Christ Jesus has made me his own, verse 12. Um, we have in our family a, a sweet photo of our daughter May, who is now tall and 16, but this is when she was a tiny little baby. And it's a picture of me holding her and, and lowering her and touching her little foot on the floor of the Detroit airport. Now you'd be wondering to yourself, like, that's a very strange photo to have, and why would that be such a precious photo to you uh, 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 in your family? Well, it's this. It's the moment that May set foot on American soil for the very first time, and in that moment officially obtained her American citizenship. Now, mind you, Jenny and I had made her our own several days uh, prior. So as we carried her from the baby home uh, 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 and traveled from Siberia to Moscow, um, from Moscow to Amsterdam, from Amsterdam to Detroit, across the Atlantic Ocean, all of those days, all of that time, she had not obtained the prize. But it would happen, quite apart from any of her own efforts or any merit that she might have because we had already made her our own. That's the economy of grace. You are my own, so you can obtain the treasure. Not, if you obtain the treasure, well, then you'll become my own. Paul, later in verse 20, he drives this point home with what I think is a very intentional turn of phrase, whereby he calls Jesus, Savior and Lord, in that order, Savior and Lord. And that's in contrast to the Caesar, Caesar Nero at the time. Um, and the Philippians that are there receiving this letter, they would have known that the, one of the emperor's titles was Lord and Savior. right? In other words, the emperor must be your Lord, and then he will be your Savior. Give your fealty, and then you'll receive the Roman citizenship, and with that, the Roman peace. Jesus, by contrast, comes and saves, fealty or not, and gives you true peace in the knowledge that you have eternal life, the resurrection of the dead, forgiveness of sin, all of that. So then, won't you then follow this gracious Savior as your Lord? Yes. Savior and Lord, rather than Lord and Savior grace instead of transaction so I referred to the national treasure of the heavenly country as true wealth what does that mean well this economy of grace versus transaction gives us a wealth a true wealth and that is the second point that Paul makes to his Philippian readers and it's this this treasure this true wealth because it is eternal Paul uses the image of the body to uh, illustrate the fact that any treasure uh, the earthly empire might offer is genuinely, as I called it before, fool's gold because it is perishing. It won't last. He describes a powerful contrast with those who are not citizens of the better heavenly country with those who are. He writes in verses 18 and 19, uh, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. Contrast that uh, picture of gluttonous, shameful uh, destruction with what awaits the citizens of the heavenly country. Verse 21, the Savior The Lord Jesus Christ will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. By which Paul means Jesus Christ's resurrected eternal body. That will be what we obtain. And this treasure is eternal. It is not perishing. So the kind of market-based economy of supply and demand doesn't apply. There's no transaction, but rather grace. And there's no limits of the supply. Instead, there is infinite supply. Therefore, there can be infinite generosity. That's the nature of this country that is the heavenly country. And the third thing Paul wants to describe is is the idea of this national treasure in the heavenly country. Is the fact that this treasure is shared. Right? There's this infinite generosity, so therefore this treasure is shared with all. I love how Philippians 3, verse 20 is translated in the uh, King James Version of the Bible. It reads like this, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our conversation is in heaven. I love that idea that, that that uh, citizenship, as we call it in the, in the uh, English Standard Version that we have, is, is equated to conversation, communal exchange, sharing, like in a, a beautiful eternal conversation. It's a beautiful image, isn't it? I also love how uh, verse 20 is translated in the Re- Revised Standard Version of the Bible. It reads this, But our commonwealth is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, our commonwealth is in heaven. This wealth is held in common in the heavenly country. This is a treasure to share rather than hoard. Um, It's it's a treasure that's not held in the, the keep with, you know, like Smog the Dragon or the precious that's kept in the fist of Gollum to steal some visions from Tolkien. No. This is a treasure that's shared because there's this eternal economy of those with glorified risen bodies in the eternal kingdom of God in contrast to those in the crumbling empire whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and who glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. So I used to, to always love telling people that I wasn't born in a state I was born in Virginia. And once a Virginian, always a Virginian. I was born in a commonwealth. And I had no idea what that meant. I just thought it sounded cool. You know, to say that I, I hadn't been born in a state like everybody else. I was, I was a Virginian. But, but what if Virginia and every other state, not just Virginia and Massachusetts and Kentucky and Pennsylvania, but every state in this nation, every nation in this world... We're truly commonwealths. I think the only hope for that is if we, who call ourselves Christians, we, who are, as uh, Paul suggests in verse 16, uh, only letting us hold true to what we have attained, if we who have attained this heavenly citizenship, if we operate out of that and hold true to that, That's the only hope of there being true commonwealth. Just think, if we truly live as those who have this eternal national treasure of the heavenly country given to us by grace and not through some kind of transaction, just think if we truly live as those whose citizenship, conversation, and commonwealth is in heaven. Don't we think that that might have some effect on the way we live even in these days here on earth, here in America, here in 2020, as we continue pressing on to make that prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus our own. You know, we are in as I've said to many people recently, we are in fraught times. Whether it's the the pandemic or this election cycle or the racial unrest, the protests and the riots and and the distrust and the vilification. These are very, very difficult. I would say these are frightening times that we face today. I think day in and day out, it is harder and harder sometimes to see the national treasures. We seem to see a whole lot more of the fool's gold. What is our hope in the midst of that? More than that, what is our call? Our hope is found in the national treasure, this gift of eternal life given to us by our Savior, who is our Lord, Jesus Christ. And as those who have received that, who have that blessed assurance in Christ Jesus, who can hold fast to that wonderful eternal treasure, we can be those who give and share and earnestly live as those who are in conversation, who are in a commonwealth as they are citizens of heaven. We will be much better citizens in this world, in this nation, as a result. And so we take great um, encouragement, even as the Philippians did, as Paul writes of this amazing good news. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. This is good news, friends. Hold true to it. Amen.